Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Well, let me invite you today to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. You know we're in a series of messages on Sunday morning. We entitled the series, A Healthy Church from Vision to Victory. And we are looking at, as, as Jonathan mentioned in the, um, the introduction to our website, our, our threefold mission, which we've had for some time, but also we're going to be considering together our four uh, fields of ministry that we carry out our threefold mission. And so we looked last Sunday at Love uh, God, and, uh, and then today we're going to look at Love People. Uh, Jesus said the first uh, the, the great and first commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he said, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Notice in what Jesus said there that he didn't say the, the second, but a second is like it, indicating again that uh, these two are inseparably linked. Our love for people flows out of our love for God. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, the love of God is poured out in our hearts. Again, it is as we come to know Christ and our relationship with Christ that he puts his love uh, in our hearts and enables us to love people, to love others. And so again, we've considered this threefold mission, considering the threefold mission, love God and, and today love people. With your Bibles open there to 1 John chapter 3, we're going to begin reading with verse 10 and read through verse 18. And if you're able, I would invite you to stand and let's read the Word of God uh, together right now. 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse number 10. And this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And I'll bring from this passage a message entitled, Love People, No Love, No Jesus. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you today. And Lord, as we come today to, to express our love for you in worship, 
And also, Lord, even as Scripture says, in, in our worship, we are to speak to one another. And we do so as we sing songs of praise to you and we speak to one another words of, of encouragement and we express our love for you to one another as well as to you. So, Lord, I pray that you will be glorified as we continue in this time of worship, as we've opened the Word of God together, we've read the Word of God together now more than once. And now, Lord, as we seek to say what, see what you have for us in this passage to apply it, and appropriate it in our lives, and we can be obedient, Lord, to what you've called us to, to do and to be as your individual children and as the family of God, as this local body of believers called Lucy Baptist Church. We thank you, Lord, that you've commanded us to love God, and you've enabled us to do that, and you've put that love in our heart for you. And uh, Lord, I pray that every one of us here has uh, is living out our first love and if not, we'll return to that first love for you. And then, Lord, that you will teach us what it really means to love one another. And even as your word says, to love those who are your enemies. So, God, do a special work in our hearts today. Change us today. Be glorified. And, Lord, if there, we know there are those in our midst today who don't know Christ. So awaken their hearts and draw them to Christ today. We love you. We exalt you and we praise you. And we pray you'll continue to manifest your presence. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I remind you that, that John, uh, the human author of this book, the Holy Spirit inspiring this book through John, gave it, gives us the purpose for, uh, for this epistle uh, in 1 John 5, 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That word know is an important word. It's mentioned in uh, at least a couple of times in our text this morning. And, and so it's, he gives us the, the purpose. And throughout this letter, he gives us the uh, indicators, or some even have referred to them, the birthmarks uh, of the believer so that people can be certain, can know that they have eternal life. And one of the primary ways that, that God has shown us in this book of 1 John that we can know we have eternal life is because of the love he has put in our hearts for one another. In fact, uh, this uh, love as an indication or an evidence of eternal life is mentioned some 46 times just in these, uh, these five chapters here of, of 1 John. Uh, in chapter 2, for example, the subject of love was considered a matter of light and darkness. But in the passage we've read this morning, it is considered a matter of life or death. So again, our title, Love People, No Love, No Jesus. So I want you to consider with me three truths from, uh, from this passage uh, about this love that we're to have that God's put in our hearts for one another, for people. First notice that obedience in unconditional love for people is commanded. Obedience in unconditional love for people is commanded. We see that uh, again in verse 11. Again, he says, this is, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Uh, God's word teaches uh, love throughout, through the Old Testament. Some people may not realize and see love, uh, the love of God, but that's God's nature. His uh, loving kindness, the, word, the Hebrew word kesed, his, his, his uh, loving kindness and mercy is demonstrated uh, toward us, and we're to demonstrate that toward others. Jesus taught the essential of love, and in John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
Uh, this word for new here uh, doesn't mean uh, new in uh, uh, time, but it means new in meaning, new in freshness, new in power. And so uh, the Lord Jesus, who, as we've said in Romans, Romans 5, says he's, he's poured out his love in our hearts. He is the one who enables us to love. And the word, of course, for love, uh, do y'all know what the word for love here is? Somebody tell me. It's agape. It's agape love. And, and so that is a supernatural word, a unique word used in Scripture of the love of God. And that is the love that God puts uh, in our heart. And so loving people for the child of God is not optional. It is a commandment that we are to love one another. Uh, and so therefore, if it's a commandment, when you don't love people, what is that? It's sin. It's disobedience to God, isn't it? It's a command. And it is uh, because it is agape love, God love, that means it is supernatural. Uh, it, it means again that uh, we, we don't have this love until we are born again. Those who don't know Christ uh, they certainly may love their family and they may love their country and they may love a lot of things. Uh, we're, not, we're not saying that those who are unbelievers have no capability of expressing this emotion of love or to love their family. But to know God's love, this supernatural kind of love, you have to be born again. You have to be a child of God. And he puts that love in our heart. It's supernatural, but also it is unconditional. That means it is for everyone. No one is left out of the realm of God's love. Uh, and that means, again, we don't just love people who are like us. We don't just love people who like us. <laughs> we don't just love people who uh, have the same interests that we do. Uh, we are to love people who disagree with us uh, and, and uh, those who maybe are, are challenging and difficult. We are to love everyone, and God makes that possible. He goes on then to give us an even greater uh, spectrum to this and, and show us how impossible it is uh, because he says, Notice in this passage that he says we are to love. Jesus said in John 13, 34, he says, as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. We're to love people the same way that God has loved us, that Jesus has loved us. How has Jesus loved us? He loved us with a cross, didn't he? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But God, Romans 5, 8, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus loved us by dying for us. He loved us unconditionally, but he also loved us sacrificially. And we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. But as we see in this passage and throughout Scripture, loving people begins with loving God's people. It begins with loving the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't stop there. I think you studied this morning in uh, several of you in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount that he says, uh, you know, you've, you've heard it said that you're to uh, love, uh, you know, you're to lo uh, love God's people, but you're to hate your enemies. But he says, I say, you know, love your enemies too. And so certainly it goes beyond that. The command to love your neighbor as yourself, as we saw there in the great the, the commandment of Jesus, uh, it includes your unbelieving neighbors as well. And we know, of course, Jesus taught the, uh, that, that in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 44. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse uh, 46 says, for if you love those who love you, what reward 
do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Do not even unbelievers do the same? Anybody can love those who love them, but it takes the special God love, supernatural love, unconditional, sacrificial love of Jesus, agape love of the believer to love those that, that uh, you don't that, that are uh, that are hard to love and that are uh, that are enemies of God in the sense of not knowing Christ and even uh, hostile toward God. Some of them, not, perhaps not all of them, outwardly, but nonetheless, uh, that takes a supernatural word of God. You remember Jesus was asked about in the parable of the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. We hadn't gotten that there yet in, in the Gospel of Luke, but he, the 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 lawyer, uh, study of the study of the law, uh, student of the law, said, "Who is?" my neighbor. And Jesus answered with that parable of the good Samaritan. The Samaritans and Jews had a mutual hate for one another. And, uh, and yet the Samaritan in that story, Jesus told, was the one who ministered to the one in need, the Jew who was left half dead, half naked. And, uh, and on the side of the road, he, he ministered to his wounds. He took him to the inn. He provided for him. He demonstrated unconditional agape love. And Jesus says he's called us to do the same thing. Is there anybody today that you can think of that uh, you'd say, well, you know, this person is very difficult to love, or I don't love uh, this person? Well, you are commanded as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to love everyone. And, and that's, uh, that's what we're to do as a church. That is also, that's why we say our, our, the second part of our, of our mission statement is to love people. And, and again, a, a neighbor is anyone that we come in contact with uh, who has a need. And we're to seek by the grace of God and the power of God to minister to that need. We'll talk about that more uh, further in a moment. But I want you to see a second thing from this passage. Not only is obedience in unconditional love uh, for people commanded, but the absence of unconditional love for people is condemning. The absence of love, of unconditional love for people. Again, we see that in, in, in verse 10. Uh, the Bible says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And again, we'll see that in verses 12 to 15 as well. Notice first that the absence of love indicates no relationship with Christ. Uh, again, this, this book is directed toward those who believe. That's what uh, 1 John five thirteen says. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. They're to give assurance to those who may be struggling. You ever had struggles with your assurance of salvation? Most believers do at some point or another. And uh, by the way, again, if you have struggles with whether or not you're truly saved, the book of 1 John is a wonderful book to study. Uh, just recommended it to someone just yesterday, uh, and and uh, because and it's good for those who may be believers who are struggling, but also a person who uh, may not be saved. Because you you take those tests, if you will, about eleven of them in the in the book of First John, and you see whether or not you see those things, those evidences. And again, do you see the evidence uh, of love? The absence of love indicates no relationship with Christ. 
And uh, so he, he, he again says, uh, there's two indications in verse 10. If you do not practice biblical righteousness and if you do not love your brother, he says, you do not have a relationship with Christ. Of course, uh, he's saying those who claim to be believers, this person you claim to be as your brother, if you don't love them, then you, you need to check up. That's a good indication you've never truly been saved. He said the same thing in another way in 1 John 2, 9, when he said, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And so this is how the command to love people connects with the command to love God. When you love God, you will love uh, people. You're starting with the family of God, but again, moving to the world. If you don't love people unconditionally, this is an indication that God's love is not in your heart. The second thing we see about the absence of love, the absence of love makes one a murderer at heart. Sound pretty serious? It is. Uh, notice again in verse 12, he said, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's uh, uh, righteous. And then verse 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. If you don't love, he says, God's people or one of God's people in particular, but you hate that person or persons, he says you're a murderer at, at heart. He uses Cain, the first murderer, as an example. And uh, he says that he murdered there because uh, uh, his brother Abel, uh, Cain's works were evil and Abel's were righteous. And you may say, well, you know, I'm not a murderer, but uh, what does he mean by this? Of course, that the spirit that leads us that leads someone to murder is the spirit of hatred. And of course, the consequences in, uh, you know, your neighbor would much rather uh, you hate him than you murder him, right? Of course. Uh, you're, uh, you might not get arrested for murder as you would. I mean, excuse me, you get arrested for murder. Don't y'all... Did y'all hear me? I, I'm correcting that, all right? You will get arrested for murder. You won't get arrested probably for hatred, all right? Uh, but, but nonetheless, the same spirit... The spirit of hatred is the spirit that leads one to murder. And Jesus is wanting us to see, as he did with, with all his commands, that that is the same spirit. You know, people can become very proud and they can look down upon people who, who may have committed murder. And let me say a couple of things about this. He's certainly not saying that, uh, that a murderer cannot be saved. He's not saying that. In, any sin, the grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Christ will forgive. Neither is he saying that a saved person can't commit murder. Is it possible for a saved person to murder? Yes, a, uh, a saved person uh, can murder. I mean, it's, it's evil, it's wrong, it's wicked, but a saved person can do that. Uh, and, he, and just like a saved person can at least momentarily hate someone, but he, he cannot do that as a practice of his life. That's the other message of the book of 1 John, that you cannot go on doing that as a habitual practice of your life. You won't do that. The Spirit of God won't let you do that. He will convict you. He will discipline you. He will correct you and bring you uh, to the place of repentance in your life, and you will not continue with that spirit. And uh, so that's what he means when he means that, no, and, and, and of course, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 11 describes a, a whole list of various sins there. Uh, he said that these are the things that uh, you used to do. He says, such were some of you. 
Uh, and even a, a person who, who is born again, that, that uh, has, has, was maybe a murderer at one point, the Lord Jesus changes our heart. He changes our nature. He gives us a new nature formed after Christ. And that is not who we are. And so just like murder is not uh, consistent with the nature of Christ, hatred is not consistent with the nature of Christ toward people. He changes our heart, but the absence of love makes one a murderer at heart. And thirdly, the absence of love in unbelievers should not surprise believers. He wants us to know in verse uh, 13, he says again, do, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. And, and uh, again, hatred toward Christians is, all, is demonstrated through various forms of persecution. Some uh, maybe uh, milder, maybe in our country at this point, but, but there are many today believers who are suffering uh, persecution at the hands of unbelievers who hate Christianity. And, and, uh, and it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent in our world. And you know, religious people in all kinds of forms. Remember uh, that uh, the religious people of Jesus' day were the ones who persecuted him and ultimately were humanly responsible uh, for the death of the Lord Jesus. And, and so it is with, the, with believers today. And again, the absence of love and the presence of hatred should not surprise us. Jesus said in John 15, 18, and 19, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so the Lord Jesus and, and uh, John, inspired by the Spirit of God, is helping to prepare us to, to, to realize that even some who may claim to be Christians who, uh, who don't love you, uh, this is a, a, don't be surprised at this, the Lord Jesus and the Word of God is, is making clear to us here. So I ask you today, this is a commandment of God, and the absence of unconditional love is an indication uh, of condemnation, the fact that you, do, you are not born again. So I ask you today, are you obeying this command? And uh, realize again that you can't, and that some people may be difficult and challenging, but if you truly are God's child, uh, he's put love in your heart and he will enable you to love uh, even those who are difficult to love. Uh, is there anybody today, again, that, that you would put into that category uh, and uh, that you would say, I, I have difficulty loving them? Uh, you know, one of the things as we think about the, how this relates to us as the church uh, again, one of our uh, emphasis during this time is to desire to be a healthy church. And, uh, and we, uh, we're very concerned about those who, who are uh, disconnected with the body of Christ, who, who claim to know Christ and, and have acknowledged that and have at one point united with our church family, either through profession of faith or coming here from some other church. church. They at some points gave some sort of testimony about knowing Christ, but now they seem totally disinterested. It's amazing as we visit people, some of the responses that we get from people about being connected. I met with someone yesterday. We visited someone uh, out for Harvest Saturday, and uh, this person had attended our church and had, has, had professed faith. And, uh, and so we, we asked this person about being connected with the local church. They said, no, we just kind of, I just sort of believe that we don't have to uh, go to a church. We can just kind of worship God in our own way, in our home alone. We don't have to do that. And so we talked about that. We looked at Scripture. What does Scripture say about that? But you know, when you think about this matter of the love of God in our heart and our love for people and, and our, as believers in Christ, doesn't it make sense that when you know, when you love God, you love Jesus, that you also love what Jesus loves? 
Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. And, and he puts a desire in our heart. And when you love the church, don't you want to be with the church? I mean, would it make sense to see a, 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 a husband or a wife here who would say, you know, I just love my family. My family is so precious to me. Um, I just don't like being around them very much. I don't like, you know, well, where, do you, where do you go? Well, I just don't go home to my family. I, I just go other places. And, but I saw I love my family. That doesn't make any sense, does it? No, and it doesn't even sense to say you love God if you don't love what God loves. He loves the church. He loves God's people, warts and all, right? In spite of our inconsistencies. So God puts that love in our hearts and enables us to love one another. And the absence of love for unconditional love for people, even the people of God, is condemning. And so I challenge you today, if that's you, think about that today and, and, and ask God to reveal his, uh, your relationship with him today if you have one. And then the, the uh, third thing I want you to see is that evidence of unconditional love for people is confirming. The evidence of love for, for, God, for people and especially God's family to begin with is confirming to your relationship with Christ. Verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And so God puts this love in our heart. And one of the ways that we know that we are saved, according to this verse and many others here, is that we love God's people unconditionally. Uh, he says, we know we've passed from death out of death into life because we love the brothers. Uh, we know we're no longer in darkness. We no long, we're no longer eternally condemned and in death uh, because we love God's people. So again, I want to remind you, loving people unconditionally, loving God's family unconditionally, doesn't earn you eternal life. Please make, let's be sure we understand that. It's not that loving people uh, earns eternal life for us, but loving people is an evidence that we do have eternal life. It's an evidence of the life of Christ in us. Uh, you know, I've heard testimony of people who said, you know, I can remember the distinct change from when I came to Christ. I didn't, there was a time when I didn't care that much for people. I didn't like people. I didn't want to be around people. I sure didn't like the church. I didn't want to be with God's people. You know, I sometimes talk to people about their relationship with Christ and they'll say, you know, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to study the Bible with people. I don't want to worship. You know, that sounds boring. It seems like heaven would be boring. Well, that's because, again, you don't have the love of God in your heart. You haven't experienced that. Uh, but again, when you have come to know Christ, God changes your heart. He puts love there and enables you to love. And, and again, that is an evidence of your relationship uh, with Christ. First of all, we give evidence of unconditional love through sacrifice. Look at verse 16. He says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, and it's interesting uh, what a uh, close coincidence this is. John 3.16 tells us uh, that Christ laid down his life for us, doesn't he? He loved the world. He gave himself for us. And now 1 John 3.16 says that we are to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus said uh, something very similar in John uh, 15, 12, and 13. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life 
for his friends. Now, Jesus did that for us. And he, notice he doesn't just say we ought to be willing to lay down our lives. You know, sometimes we'll say, man, I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to die for that person. I'd be willing to die for them. And, and most of the time you're probably thinking about your family and you should be. But he doesn't just say you ought to be willing to. He said you ought to do it. You know, I believe that, I believe Scripture's telling us here that just like uh, we, as an act of our will, we're commanded in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to lay down our life on the altar. We're to surrender our life, even as a believer, to say, Lord, I take my hands off my life. The Bible says we ought to just go ahead and do that. You see, if we'll go ahead and do that as an act of our will, then when the opportunity comes that God gives us to sacrificially meet a need in the life of a brother or sister in Christ, then we will already be ready. And, and, and so again, I, I challenge us today to do that. Just so, go ahead in this time this morning and in your heart right now, say, Lord, I just, I lay down my life for my brothers and my sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we give evidence through sacrifice. Secondly, we, we give evidence of unconditional love through service, through service. Notice again, verse, uh, verse 17, he said, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So again, he's saying that this love and even this sacrifice we just talked about in verse 16 is made evidence, evident through our willingness to serve when we see a need. And, and the idea here of seeing is to, is to see into, see deeply, to, to, to get a good look. Uh, this person who, who sees the need, just like, the, the again, back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, there were a couple of guys that walked by. Uh, they, they didn't look very deeply in the need. They got on by as quickly as they could, didn't they? But then the, 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 the uh, Samaritan, when he came along, he saw the need. He, he ministered to the need. He, got, he looked down, he had the, and he had the ability to help, and he did. He met that need. And, uh, and so, uh, so that's exactly what we are to do. We're not to lock up our heart and to do nothing. He said, if you do that, if you can see that need, and you go on your way and you do nothing about it, how can the love of God abide in that heart. I'm sure we have all missed opportunities to minister to people that were in need, but uh, were you convicted by it? Were you bothered by it? Sure. I'm sure we've all missed those opportunities. Maybe you've done like I've had to do a few times. I went on and got on uh, a little further on down and, and realized, man, I need to take care of that. I need to turn around, literally, and, and try to help meet that need. And so we need to be, uh, to be willing and to be available to serve uh, a need that, that the Lord brings about uh, in the life of a brother or sister in Christ. You know, again, this, this sounds similar to what James said in, in the book of James. He said that faith without works is dead. Well, love without works is dead too. And then in verse 18, he says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, God's love is meant to be demonstrated. Uh, and again, in, a, in the heart of a true child of God, love is not just cheap talk, it's hard work. Uh, Jesus laid down his life to save others. We're to lay down our lives to serve others. Doesn't matter uh, whether it's a material need, a financial need, an emotional need, a spiritual need. We just need to lay down our lives and be ready 
because God is going to bring people our way and allow us to minister to those needs. Jesus demonstrated uh, serving love. Uh, you remember in John chapter 13, the first part of the chapter there, uh, when he was there meeting with his disciples before they observed the Passover meal, no one was there to wash the feet and none of those disciples were willing to do that. So Jesus took off his outer garment. He girded himself with a towel. He got down and one by one, he met that need. He washed the dirty feet of his disciples. And in verse 14 of that chapter, he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Personally, I don't believe Jesus was establishing an ordinance for the church but I do believe the Lord Jesus was establishing a pattern of our lives that we are to meet the needs of people, starting with the family of God, but yes, extending it beyond that as well. And he, that's one of the one another's. We are to wash one another's feet. And by the way, how do we carry that out? Well, we do that through all the one another's. Uh, and uh, we'll be looking at some of those along the way. We're to serve one another. We're to pray for one another, fellowship with one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to uh, bear with one another. We're to honor one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to accept one another. You see why? I shared that with this young man we were talking to yesterday. I said, how can you carry out the one another's if you don't assemble with the one another's? That's why we come together. That's why we're here together uh, in, in, in our congregational life. This is why we're together in our uh, building of community and why we come together uh, even on Sunday evening and throughout the week. It's about building community and fulfilling the one another's. And it's about growing in our love for one another by fulfilling these well, after washing his disciples' feet and commanding his disciples to love one another, Jesus said in verse 35 of John 13, by this, all people, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Kind of reminds us of Matthew 5, 16. You've studied in, in uh, Sunday school, some of the Sunday school classes as well. By our loving one another, we're letting our light shine and we're doing so not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. And we don't even, we don't have to call attention to it. People are just, they just see it. Gene Getz says, this is, this love for each other is what distinguishes us. It's what sets us apart. Why do we want us to, others to notice our love and to know that we are His? So that we can communicate with them the love of Jesus and point people to Jesus. Listen, friends, he went on to say, A fractured fellowship never attracted anyone. It only drives people away. However, a loving fellowship attracts people to Jesus. Paul prayed in Philippians 1.19, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. That word abound means overflow, abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. We need to practice uh, loving one another, growing in our love. We need to pray for. How do you pray for Lucy Baptist Church? Pray as Paul instructed in Philippians 1.19, that our love would abound. It would overflow more and more and more and more, and it would grow. And again, why? So that people would know that we are his disciples. We are his disciples, and they will be attracted to him and, and, and drawn to desire for a relationship with Christ. 
You know, I've been blessed uh, even this week uh, in seeing that practiced among our church family here at Lucy Baptist Church, hearing about uh, uh, Gary Welch, one of our members, and seeing uh, especially some of our men ministering to Gary, taking him to the doctor, even, though, even if that meant spending the whole day with him in the doctor's office. Uh, again, uh, uh, visiting Brother Jerry and I did yesterday with Patricia Anderson, going through uh, chemotherapy, cancer treatments, and, and just hearing her talk about how much she loves and appreciates her church family and the ladies in her class and the way they have ministered to her and loved on her and helped her get to the doctors uh, and to the for the treatments and and uh, and we're trying to help meet that need and we we may need to extend that to the entire church family because that's what we're about as the body of Christ, the family of God. It's again, it's giving preference to one another. It's it's putting the other needs. Philippians says, above our own and ministering those needs. And I want you to know, friend, uh, not only do these folks appreciate it, but I guarantee you there are others around that see it and that know that there's something different about God's people and that we love one another. And he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. And again, we do that for others as well. But again, we, uh, Jesus taught in Luke 6, 27, similar to the Matthew 5 passage. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. We're to bless those who curse us. We're to love them too and point them to Christ and take every opportunity to, po- to share with them that Jesus is the one who's put this love in our heart and made the difference in us. Love people. No love, no Jesus. If you don't know, if you don't have that love in your heart, then my prayer is that God will speak to your heart today uh, about your need for Christ so you can have a relationship, so he can transform your heart. But even as God's people, if your love is not where it needs to be and none of us have arrived in that, that that you'll allow God to transform you uh, today and and deal with your heart. I read the story uh, just this past week about Chuck Colson. Many of you remember him. He served as a special counsel to President Nixon. Uh, and uh, he was called uh, Nixon's hatchet man. He was convicted and sentenced to prison for obstruction of justice uh, in the Watergate scandal. And about 10 months before going to prison, through the efforts of his friends, several of his friends who knew Christ, he repented of his sin, placed his faith and trust uh, in Christ. And, uh, and, and shortly um, uh, after going to prison, several things happened in his life. First of all, his father, to whom he was very close, died there while he was in prison. Uh, he was barred from practicing law. And then his teenage son was arrested for narcotics possession. And it just seemed to, to Chuck Colson, even as a, a believer now, a new believer, a young believer, that his world was caving in. And, and his wife, he couldn't be there to help her and minister to her and, and, and to encourage her. A friend of his who was also a believer, Al Kwai, who was a Minnesota senator, uh, discovered an old statute uh, that would have allowed him to serve out the rest of Colson's sentence. And he went to the president to see if it would be possible, then the new president at that time, to see if it would be possible for him to serve out Colson's sentence. Two other believers who were also prominent men in, in uh, leadership of our nation also asked for the same thing. Well, they weren't granted that opportunity. He had to serve out his sentence. But just knowing these men, not just willing to lay down their lives, they did lay down their lives for him. And that God used that to transform 
his heart to see the love of God displayed and the love for God's people in such a powerful way. And of course, as you know anything about him, he, as he got out of prison, he, he established a ministry, prison fellowship. He was, a, he was a great man of God until he went home to be with the Lord not too long ago. Uh, God used him in a mighty way. But no doubt, this, this impacted his life, his, his, the f- willingness of his friends to lay down their lives for the brethren. And many people came to Christ under the ministry and through the ministry of Chuck Colson, no doubt impacted by these friends. Love people. No Jesus, no love, no Jesus. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin Place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623, or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.